0: Yeah, dude, the world is crazy. the world has lost its its mind, dude. I would uh, I would agree, hundred percent. Maybe it had already lost its mind. Yeah, I would agree, also hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I'm in a mood right now
1: where I'm like. I agree. I agree. So, the- so really quick, let's just get everybody caught up on, on the conversation because, you know, the people who have been, uh, you know, everyone who is who is around with Table Network and now, okay, what is Lark, Reckless Grace for a Religious World? We did the Reckless Grace podcast last week. We're doing the Religious World one today, and it's very fitting that we would be doing this Uh, podcast this week after easter uh
0: because there's a lot of religion on display in the world right now yeah dude it's everywhere it's it's endless it's exhausting it's divisive um if i want to just speak frankly here man like it just straight up enslaves people to a myth of some form of progress that is needed in a control that is possible in some ideal imagined version of ourselves and society. And dude, people are grabbing onto this thing, like hook, line, and sinker. And of course, if you study the history of humanity, that's always been our story since the garden Um, seems like we've all wanted to be God, (laughs) right? Like that's the story in scriptures in Genesis. God makes humanity and everything's perfect. And we're like, "Ah, I think I'll do it better
1: on my own. I mean, I try to control every aspect of my life. Is that kind of like what you're talking about?
0: yeah i'm kind of saying like that scene is that that the umbrella of a god complex yeah 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 it's there it's it's in me it's in you it's in all of us and um i guess the question really for humanity is is what do we do with it that's ultimately what we're talking about and it seems that for some reason right now we live in a day and age or maybe it's just because so like there's so many platforms that allow so much of this to be on display for us all to see that it's like man we uh It's not just that we live in a religious world, but like the world itself is drowning in religion, man, and missing out on the very life that God's given us. Yeah.
1: And I think it's really important to point out as we dive into this conversation today, as we're going to bring some definition and some examples to this, some very, very real examples is that we're not over here being like, you know, like, Hey, like we figured it out. We're the grace dudes. <laughs> look at look at this religious world. Ha ha! Point a finger at it and call it silly. Yeah. It's like no. The reason why I love God's grace is because I've found freedom from the personal exhaustion of religion yeah. uh, and the temptation I find in the world to be religious. Um, and the examples that we give today, you it might surprise you because it's not just church related. Like when we say religion, we have a very broad definition of religion. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to do with just steeples, um, robes, liturgies, um, and, you know, Mm-mm. the
0: Bible. No, in fact, if you if you look around, you'll find that sometimes the most religious, like the most staunch religious camps out there would be among the tribes that declare there is no God. So sure. for sure, dude, when we're talking about religion, we're not just talking about something that's aligned to a conversation tied to, a deity. We're uh, we're talking about the religious world and the fact that there are in every in every place you'll find a set of beliefs and words and actions that someone needs to use to obtain their significance and security in this life. Um, what in some circles would be called salvation, right? Right. Right. Like any anything you put in that blank would be mm-hmm. a form of religion. So that's. That's what we're talking about here. It's yeah. That makes a lot
1: of sense to me. Another way to say it is religion is it always points to something that is ultimate for you or the thing that matters most. And usually yeah. religions they're identified by um, the three, the three C's of religion, creed, cult, conduct, yeah, Creed. You, you have a set of beliefs, right? Like to belong mm-hmm. to this thing, you got to believe this way. Uh cult, it usually surrounds some sort of practice of this thing. Whether it's I do meditation at noon every day, I work out this many times a week. I don't eat these trans fats. I don't eat gluten, like whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever I, you know, I post on social media, these kinds of things, whatever the practice, right? Whatever the rhythm of it is. And then a, a, the behavior the Conduct, whatever the, is the behavior, the expected yeah. behavior for you to stay within this tribe or to stay on this path as you're climbing up your self imagined mountain. Because at the top of it, you think is going to be your righteousness, salvation, enoughness, however you want to say it.
0: Yep, yeah. That's, David Zall does a great job in his book Seculosity. Shout out to him. We got to um, get him on
1: the podcast.
0: We do. We we got to do it. And if you're uh, you're listening on this, I would highly encourage you to grab the book on Amazon, Seculosity by David Zoll. Does a, just just does a great job, man, of helping helping us see a lot of what we're talking about right now. To, to see this broader understanding, the way you just you know broke it down, Tony. Um, you know, creed, cult, conduct. You know, it makes me think. Uh, belief. What you believe. What you say. What you do. Right. Uh, and it's always an exchange, right, for acceptance. Yes, you do it's all very same. conditional. Yeah, yeah. And uh in his book Seculosity, all talks about religion through this lens of uh he, he calls it the justifying mechanism of your life, you know, or, or someone's preferred guilt management system. He says it's everywhere and it can be tied to anything, which is why everywhere you go in the world you find society building ladders to assure themselves that they're okay, that they're worthy. Um so you know, just to be clear, religion hasn't faded, right? It's just migrated to other areas of life where people think they can find this, you know, this, the significance and security they crave. It's just rebranding itself. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Doesn't he say in the book, well, I um, stole
1: that from David's also, yeah.
0: I, can't. I think he said something like, uh, Oh,
1: Hey, that's a good way of putting that thing <laughs> that you took from that one guy.
0: <laughs> I forgot that he said that, <laughs> but I, um, You know, he says like, we're, we're never not in church, right? We're never not in church. We're always in search of our enoughness. Um, And I love how he broke it down as in, in times past where you could travel to different parts of the world, or even where we live, you know, in the, in the U S you could find religious uh, teaching tied to deity, right? This life in God, a belief about him. You could find that everywhere, including like in the political spectrum, right? In public schools, and so you sort of have this uh, religious nature practice that was in search of forgiveness mm. or hope, um, like hope in a day to come, um, as in just newsflash. I think, it, I just side note, I think we forget that, um, that, we, that we're not going to live forever on this side of eternity. I think that's like, you know what I mean? Like there's so much emphasis over the last 20 years that's been dumped into the here and now mm. and making, and, you know, and curating the perfect here and now that we forget life can end in a moment's notice and you really are going somewhere
1: yeah and i think com- <laughs> i think but coupled you- with that is an overinflated view of our ourselves and our ability to fix it yeah. so not only do we imagine ourselves as being these kind of fixed people but we think that in the living out of our fixedness we can fix others around us and fix the world too yeah and we'll use anything right
0: like but
1: that phrase what i just said is a belief about humanity it's a belief
0: about who we are yes yep i would agree and i've been there for sure myself and still wrestle with that at times um you know just to be clear with you know just between the two of us i mean nobody else you know really yeah nobody's really listening to this conversation but yeah man if you're not if you're not grabbing on to some form of a religion creed cult conduct you know, you don't have some framework that you're using in hopes of finding forgiveness or hope in a day to come. Uh, You, you know, you'll tie it to some form of enoughness, right? Yeah. Be thin enough, smart enough, travel enough, right? Woke enough. Yeah. Yeah. The list just goes on, man. It's thin enough, Conservative enough, (laughs) you know, like whatever it is, smart enough, (laughs) wealthy enough. Yeah. It just, it just, dude, it, it it, logical enough. Yep. Attractive enough. Um, Disciplined enough. Yep. It's like this constant search uh, to hopefully find enough validation in this life to secure the love and the belonging we crave. Mm. Uh, The Apostle Paul in the scriptures, he called that the wisdom of the world. And I like what, what Zal did was he just helped everybody realize that the targets we're now using go beyond just this idea of deity And now, what we're doing is we're looking for justification in anything from the kitchen to the gym to the bedroom to the family to the workplace to politics to fashion. Um, And we have the exhaustion to prove it. That's that's probably the best way to say that.
1: Yeah. And there's so many different like themes, um, you know, that you can bring out when it comes to religion in a secular sense, which if you're wondering like, okay, so David's book, like seculosity, it's a mixture of secular and and religiosity. What he's saying is even though we're priding ourselves on being irreligious, we're still very, very religious. And if I I can imagine someone listening to this conversation being somewhat confused because they're saying, well, well, hold on a second. Like our culture is very irreligious. Like, especially with like the Gallup poll coming out uh, on March 29th that like, um, affiliation with a place of worship is the low, it's the lowest it's ever been in our country. U S history. Yeah. It's 47%. The highest it ever was, was right after world war two at 76. So people are less and less affiliating themselves with uh religion. They're called the religious nuns. Um, yeah. and emerging generations are definitely not identifying. And so they're like, well, what, hold on a second, dude, you guys are saying the world is religious, but you know, it, it, it's, we're, we're clearly irreligious. But I think moving the conversation along, some of the things that we see, some of the breadcrumbs of religion are what, what we've been talking about this enoughness, or maybe a sense of self-righteousness, a sense of atonement and also to rigidness and exclusivity, right? Those are, those are what all people would say like, Hey, these things are kind of like, like forever. People have thrown a stone at the church by saying what you're hypocritical, you're judgmental and you're exclusive, right? So if you apply those three things, hypocritical judgmental and exclusive. Well, it's like, okay, if those are the breadcrumbs of religion, then where are we seeing that in our society today? And, and we have examples of plenty. Mm. Yeah, dude,
0: it's, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about opening a can, bro. I mean, it's just like, it is. Well,
1: let's not go like uh, maybe everywhere. Just a let's just do everywhere.
0: A All right. A so examples Bef- before we hit them, Let me just say this. Let me just say this. You're trying to avoid
1: getting canceled here. So you have to preface what you're saying. Uh, Dude,
0: I've been getting canceled for the last 15 months, man, which is pretty wild, dude. Like even people who are my closest (laughs) friends who have sat around my table and I haven't changed anything that we've been believing and saying for the last eight years about the goodness of Jesus. And I've got friends on the right and the left. And of course, I've got friends who have moved in those directions over the last year going, yeah, man, I just can't get on board with a God that has chosen to forgive all and cancel none. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, that sucks for you, dude. (laughs) If you want to get honest here. Um, But just to be clear, this whole like religious, you know, nature and pursuit of our, as you, as you described, right. Enoughness or our, our significance, our security, our you know, I matter. Basically, I belong. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense because, as the scriptures say, right, the law of God. Which, just to be clear, if you're new to this conversation about the law of God, that would be what you find in the Old Testament scriptures, where God gives to Moses the law.
1: Exodus chapter twenty,
0: right? And what he does here is he doesn't give this law to establish a relationship with people. It's not like this like to do list. And if you perform well, then you can belong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. They already belong. He's already called, right? Them He's already children. redeemed
1: them. It's just after his redemption and bringing them out of slavery. Yeah.
0: There you go. So the, this law follows the relationship. In other words, like it was given to protect a relationship. It was already in place by God's doing. Mm-hmm. So this law is a picture of humanity at its finest. That's probably the best way to put it. If you want a picture of what harmony looks like between you and your maker and you and the people around you, here it is. Okay. Okay. Yep. It's good. It's beautiful. It's for us. Amen. Um, but the scriptures say it's written on all of our hearts, so it makes sense why you find this sort of a kind of core tenets of morality. You know what I mean throughout time and every place and culture. Yeah, and all
1: the Even, other major religions have a similarity in that. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Like it's it's at our
0: core. Yep. So I'm just trying to throw that out, man, just to say like the the, the religious pursuit. Um, I, you know, it, it makes sense the the real question, like I said, at the beginning of our podcast here, man, is what we do with that and how we go about that it seems to be where we either find ourselves walking in a freedom that Jesus gave or living as a slave to a religion, um, that we've created. Mm-hmm. And so some modern day examples, man, like I feel like there's some easy ones. I mean, you could throw out like critical race theory. Um, I'm just going to go there. Uh, Do I believe all people matter? All people are loved by God. All should be treated equally. You bet, dude. Scriptures are really playing on that one. Um, But do I align myself with a framework that someone made up that says, no, your identity is your ethnicity? No, because God says otherwise. That says uh, the problem in the world is, you know what I mean? How some are in power and some are not. No, because God says otherwise that the solution is forcing people in power to be subservient to those who have no power. Yeah. No, because God says otherwise. <laughs> I'm just saying as, like, it's, that as, one's been as if talked li- about
1: as if flipping the script is going to fix anything like Israel itself is an example of that. Yes. <laughs> like knowing what it's like to be enslaved and then knowing what it's like to be in power. And they actually embodied the same evil practices as those who suppress
0: them. Yeah. So I'm just saying like, that's, that for me is one that a lot of people are going to on like, here's a, here's a description of religion at work. Okay, cool. I'll agree with you on that. Um, but you know, finding your identity and nationalism, I'm not saying that being like proud of where you're from or, or standing up for what you believe in your country is a bad thing. People all over the world do that right for the countries that they live in, Sure. but finding your identity and finding the solution to the world as nationalism. Well, guess what? That also would be a form of religion. Not good. Um, but I just don't want to get into all that, dude, on here because we've talked about it before. Everyone, their mothers talking about it. So, dude, here's a couple of really relevant modern day. How about happening this week? Examples? Yeah. Number one, Major League Baseball. dude. Well, first of all, good to have
1: baseball back. I'm a White Sox fan. Yes. And um, we struggled um, against the Angels, but we got back on track last night against the Mariners. I love baseball and I love the White Sox. They're going to be good this year. So with that said, please continue with your well, example. Well, I'm just saying, like, if when you're a race news, fan, You're a race fan,
0: fan, dude. My boys went to the World Series this last year, got down to the wire, they lost, but hey, they were there. Um, I'm a baseball fan. I'm just saying, like, here's an example. You've got an organization whose purpose is, right, entertainment in the game of baseball. And they've jumped in and said, hey, these voting uh, rules that were just put in place in Georgia, they're horrible. Um, They shouldn't be allowed. We're 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 canceling the state we're doing this and well you know what we're moving the baseball game the all-star game it's going to colorado and i'm going um i don't know if you guys know this but in colorado all those laws that you're saying are so oppressive yeah they're all in place in colorado dude (laughs)
1: You made this law about voting. We're not happy. We're going to move over to this other state that has the same law, the same laws, dude. And I think major league baseball has a very similar law at their own stadiums. What do you mean? Well, I think last time I remember picking up tickets at will call, um, I had to present an ID to get tickets. Yeah, I do. So like I have a friend who has season tickets and then he can transfer it, but I have to go to will call. And I have to present an ID to show that I am the person that I say that I am, and then they give me my tickets. Yeah, yeah, that's all in place for a game.
0: But I th- I'm just saying I think that's all say-
1: Georgia was wanting to do, just like, hey, let's 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 show
0: an ID here when it comes well, to voting if your social security check comes to your house you have to have a verification signature you know what I'm saying in order to receive it so georgia's saying hey for for a vote that's going to you know go towards something that goes way beyond just a monthly check you know what i mean to something that's going to determine right like who are the people that are in office that can help or hinder society um You know what I mean? You're going to have to verify your signature or you're going to have a voter ID. You know what I'm saying? That goes with it. We see the same thing with Delta, right? Like Delta's, you know, up in arms about this, talking about pulling out of the state of Georgia. Well, you know what you have to have to get on an airplane? A valid photo ID. It's true. Just saying. I can vouch for this from experience. Yeah. So they're not like, it doesn't, what's crazy dude is like, (laughs) Like religion is it has no bounds, man. It's endless. You know what I mean? Like you just oh, religion. You're so silly. I'm so sick of this self-righteous arrogance, bigotry, and hypocrisy. And then you literally go walk in self-righteous arrogance bigotry and hypocrisy. You just took the all-star game from like the most diverse city in America, Atlanta, and you moved it to the whitest place <laughs> in the US called Colorado, dude. And I'm just looking at this going, what are you doing? What, like, what is happening here? I, like, another quick example is a Rachel Hollis, girl, wash your face, right? Oh, this, yeah. Like, I always got her and,
1: and uh, Rachel Held Evans mixed up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Rachel Hollis, like comedian, right? Writer. You know, is pretty- she a comedian? That's what I understand. I don't know much about her. Um, I mean, I know Is like, her I've life a thing. joke or she tells jokes. What, what's going on? Well, dude, I feel like she's feeling like her life's a joke right now, man. And I'm just gonna be honest. Girl, wash your face. And the whole premise of that, when you dive into the book, um, which I did, uh, it's just religion at its core, man. Yeah. It's, it's pull up your bootstraps, get it together, make it happen. Then you'll count. Right. That's religion. Yep. That's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's not the life that God has given you or me or any of us. Um, so I, you know, it, my point is like, is she loved? Does she matter? Of course. Um, does she belong at the table because of what Jesus has done? Amen. Yes. Um, do I agree with her premise in her book when she's saying no? Um, but recently she just made a post apparently a couple of days ago that, uh, she has someone who cleans her house that she pays. Oh my gosh. And some people freaked out on her about not being someone that they could identify with and how, mm. like, how dare she like, you know, live into this this state of being to which she's like, well, I don't feel like everyone should identify with me. I've worked really hard. I make a lot of money. i wake up at 4 a.m. every day. I don't go to bed till like 10 p.m. You know what I mean? Like she's, I'm a hustler. I'm this. Not everyone's going to be able to identify with me.
1: Yeah. i um, just balancing like all that and keeping your house clean is a lot.
0: Yeah. Especially yeah. with
1: kids and a family.
0: Yeah, dude. And she's been through the ringer, man. Like she talked a lot about being transparent and real and then wound up with this like surprise divorce to which all oh, of her readers were like, oh, wait that. a second. Like, I thought you were all about being transparent and real. Why are we just now hearing about problems in your marriage when you're getting divorced? So I'm just saying, there it is, right? In the name of becoming something, right, that she's supposed to be, she's got to suppress what's really going on. You know what that's called, right? Yeah, religion. Uh, it's called religion, yeah. <laughs> so, but the, all everywhere. I'm trying to get I feel at, like this episode is like, hey, there's some religion. Oh, hey, some
1: more religion. Oh, yeah. wow, it's everywhere. Dude,
0: it's like the social media feed like nine months ago. Right? When you would go on every day and it was you're Hitler. (laughs) Right? As you I love when you brought that up. No, you're Hitler. No, you're Hitler. A lot of Nazis, man. No, Nazis. You're actually Hitler. You know what I mean? So we just we see it everywhere, but here's where I feel bad for, for Rachel, dude. She gave out some examples of other women that we cannot identify with, that she can't identify with, and no one else can identify with. Okay. Which seems to me to be um pretty fair because if you want to get really honest, uh, we're all individual people who find our existence in him who is life, and all of our stories are actually unique. And if you want to get technical, nobody can identify with anybody. And hmm. um, I don't think God's told us to The but whole, she brought uh, walk up a mile of my shoes kind of a thing. yeah, yeah. So she brought up some like different women and that she was referencing, and apparently they jumped on her for that, and then she tried to apologize and it jumped on her for that. And then they started moving the goalpost on what counted for an apology and what doesn't. <laughs> and, dude, she lost like mass followers last night, like a million followers overnight. You know, and, in uh,
1: pre show, when
0: you brought up. There's like that a up. cancel Rachel Hollis movement, dude, that's like Is exploded it's like a, it's in the like last a ha- 24 it's hours. Is it a hashtag? Oh, yeah. My wife, who's like this loving, caring, four foot 11 like bundle of joy, who never gets into a fight, who's not even a Rachel Hollis fan, like went on social media and was actually like talking to someone going, you're being a bully. Mm. You're 100% being what it is that you're calling her out for. She was talking to someone she knew. And this woman was like, started blasting her. And she's like, well, if your kid did something wrong, wouldn't you make them apologize to which we're like, well, you could do that. But how effective is that? Mm. Think about that. Make them apologize. You know what that's called? Religion. Religion. That whole, that little interaction right there is everything
1: you need to know about the way religion works, thinks, and how it
0: seeks to bring about change. There it is. We're going to call it out. We're going to condemn it. We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to have cancel culture, man, in hopes to, right? Right. We're going to force the change that we desire, which I'm going to be honest, dude. The more I study cancel culture, the more I find myself going, it seems that people are trying to find their significance through status, okay? Religion. And this status they're seeking is tied to what it is that they're canceling. And the currency they need are likes. And then you have like the correction culture. That's where the businesses are stepping into this movement, but they're doing the same thing. Just to be clear, they're also pursuing their significance but they're not trying to do it through status, they're trying to do it through security, okay? And their currency is money. So you like right now you have corporations, bro, that are that are sitting in boardrooms deciding which camp to align with based off which camp will deliver the funds they need for fame and fortune. Yeah, it's, bro, it's this, is, this is a joke at its core, man. Yeah, it's
1: interesting too like, you know, what we've seen play out over the last year and a half. There there's actually like an element of absolution in it too, like atonement. The idea of atonement is like covering, right? Yeah. So you brought up the law of God earlier. Well, in Exodus 20, it tells the story of God, like bringing like the, like his people out of Egypt. And okay. how did he know, like which one, her people, or, you know, who was like his people was this idea of like covering your doorpost with blood and I'll pass over you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's this idea of atonement. And it's so, like an what, act of faith. Right. Right. And so Like, this is what we're doing is like, as soon as something comes out, and it's like, if you post these words on your social media or you're quiet about this thing, one makes you guilty. The other one is you slapping a bunch of blood on the doorposts of your social media and just covering and atoning and absolving yourself. From this social sin, the social stigma, this, this mm. social cancer of whatever the flavor of the month is, whatever thing we don't want to be known for, or we don't want to be aligned for. So a lot of times people just post stuff just because everyone else is posting it. Maybe they're caught up in it, or there's this real fear of like, dude, yeah. uh, hell on this earth. Remember you talked about like, we just think that like everything in this life is, is what is. So hell on earth is to be labeled a racist or a bigot or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's like, dude, I need to absolve my, I need to distance myself. I need to absolve myself from this. I need to atone for this. And yeah, we just go about it in these very superficial hollow ways. Like the whole MLB thing is so shallow. It's so shallow. There's no substance to it whatsoever. It has this veneer of good. It has this veneer of social righteousness. But when you dive into the details, it's broken through and through. It's flawed to the core. It's, it reminds me of when Jesus turned to the Pharisees who were like the varsity team of like religious people of Jesus day, yeah. right? If you want to talk about like, okay, here's like, you know, their varsity, like this is like division one varsity like religious basketball team is the Pharisees, right? Mm. And um, they were walking around canceling people all day long. That's all they did. (laughs) Yeah. All they did was they had the law in hand. And instead of the law being the thing that humbles us and brings us to a place where we know that we're broken and we know we need God's mercy, they use it as this mechanism to wield. They use it as a weapon. They fancied themselves and thought of themselves as people who were keeping the law, so the law didn't condemn them. The law actually affirmed them in their righteousness, but they use it as a lens and as a weapon. They weaponized the law of God against people and they oppressed them. And there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of coercion and there was a lot of canceling. If you read John's gospel, they cancel people left and right. They're kicking them out of synagogue. They're they're publicly shaming them, uh, mm-hmm. condemning them. So cancel culture, I don't. it's not new at all. And it's certainly, it's a breadcrumb of religion. But I think we're seeing it now more than ever, because a, we have a platform, a very visible social platform, and Mm. it's celebrated. It's almost like, like canceling is celebrated as a form of righteousness. So whereas before, and I'm not, I'm going to tell you right now, I have canceled people quietly in my heart, or even with a small group of people. I've done that. I'm guilty of that.
0: Yeah, dude, we've talked about you struggling with that, (laughs) but, but
1: I feel like, you know, it's not a new thing at all. People to act like cancel culture is this new thing. It's not, it's not new whatsoever. No. It was very much alive and well in Jesus day. But so what, so they did this. I'm just going to get to the, the point. The whole reason I brought this up is Jesus talked about these dudes who did this. He called them hypocrites. He goes, you guys act like you guys aren't like deeply flawed and broken yourselves. Yeah. In fact, there's that one famous moment where he goes, okay, so you're gonna about, you're about to stone a woman because she was caught in adultery. If any of you have sinned in this way, if any of you have any kind of sexual sin, go ahead. Be the first to cast the stone. Yep. He who among you is free from a sin like this, go ahead, cast the first stone. And I love how they, it
0: describes that, like the old to the young
1: It's like one of my most favorite little small details in the Bible, dude. It goes starting with the older ones. They all drop their stones because the old, like when you get a little (laughs) older, you're like, when you're young, you're idealistic, you're full of piss and vinegar and and just like, you know, pride and all that. I thought like the, like the longer you live life, you're like, yeah, dude, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) But he, he, he says of them, he goes, dude, you guys are whitewashed tombs. Yeah. You guys are like, so back then they weren't like graves. They would have these like tombs. They were just like these kind of like things cut inside of a stone and, or on the side of a stone. And they would bury people inside these tombs and then seal it up with a, like a, like a seal, like a rock, a seal. And he goes, you guys are like a whitewashed tomb on the outside. You got a coat of fresh paint, but inside you're full of death. You're full of bones. Yeah. You're full of just nothing but just ugly, man. That's it,
0: dude. That's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jeremiah 17 is not kidding when it talks about the heart is desperately wicked. God says, above. All things, not above some, not above most, but above all things. Like at our core, we will constantly choose our own security and significance, even in the good things that we do, right? So, like, I even mean, when you get to Romans, when it's like, for all of sin, everybody, right, has sinned. Everybody has grabbed on to this disease of self reliance and said no to God and grabbed on to the myth of independence and said, I got this, I'll run. And so the scriptures describe that as like death. And yeah. It's, That's what we've got going on inside of us. And and I agree with you. Jesus is looking at him going, yeah, man, you look great on the outside, but you don't realize that you're corrupt to your core, man. Right. And I'm not here. Con- and he literally tells us, I didn't come to the world to condemn Mm-mm. you of this. Like you can take this as, a, as an invitation to go, maybe there's something better, a bigger story that God wants to tell here and start to press in on that and, and find the solidarity, the beauty, the forgiveness, the joy, the peace, the rest, the purpose, mm-hmm. the meaning that you're longing for. Or you can stiff arm me and say, no, 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 no. We got this.
1: Yeah. Right. Which is and, what they do. He's constantly, what he's constantly what he's doing with the Pharisees, what he's doing with the religious crowd is he's trying to like set off like, like a bomb at the base of their towers of righteousness. Yeah. And it hurts. It yeah. hurts to get called out for that. But what he means to do in that is to invite them into his life. Yeah. Yeah. The life of forgiveness, the life of love, right? But your religion needs to be dealt with first. We need to deal with this. Like you need to, I call them beautiful wounds. Like Jesus wounds you not to like, not to like get back at you or like to like get revenge. Mm -mm. He wound, he wounds you to humble you so that you might see, dude, I need God's mercy. I need grace. I'm just as broken as my neighbor
0: who I disagree with or who I would consider my enemy. Yeah. I call it the crisis of capacity. Which is a phrase that I stole, um, but it's it's what Jesus does, right? When he teaches, you know, when he when he starts unpacking these verses, and he's looking at a crowd that's trying to figure out how to best understand the law so that they can embody it, so they can live into it, which is like a big practice in the church right now. It's all about like doing biblical reflection, you know, and doing it correctly with training so that you can get to the heart of the verse so that you can then go embody that verse. Right. And in in our
1: embodying we'll bring about our ideal selves and our ideal neighborhoods and our ideal Society. And I'm going,
0: dude, this is nothing but nullifying the gospel. This is straight from the Pharisees' playbook. This is what they did and what they were teaching everyone else to do. And when you didn't align, you got canceled. And if you notice, Jesus has really harsh words for them, for not just their, their desire, but even their practices you brought out, right? Yeah. And it's to me, like that should make us stop and look at this religion that's going around us right now and go, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it, I'm pretty positive God does not have good things to say about this hmm. for our joy, like for our good. And um, yeah, because know, sadly,
1: sadly, those Pharisees, they, you know, in the face of the wanting to stone an adulterer in public, they dropped their stones, but they dropped their stones and yeah. walked away and waited for another opportunity, right. To nail them. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think like he's inviting us to drop our stones, but not walk away from him, but to walk to him. Like to find healing, you know, to find to find yeah. forgiveness, and you see all this like canceling. You see all the breadcrumbs of religion. It's the opposite of forgiveness, man. It's the opposite of what God offers in Jesus. Like for what, for forgiveness to happen, someone needs to absorb a wrong. And yeah. we're not jumping on this podcast and not saying society's not broken. I'm not saying you know or that, that are we're sorry. not. <laughs> yeah, or that we're not. Like we're saying no. Like society is broken. I'm pointing a finger at those who say, I'm not broken. You are, and you need to get on, get on my level, bro, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like, in order for forgiveness to happen, someone needs to absorb a wrong. They need to absorb a hurt. And it's like this whole, what cancel culture is, is what goes around, comes around. But with the gospel is like, what goes around just stops dead, dude, and gets absorbed to drop down the black hole of Jesus' death and resurrection. Because God comes down and literally stands in our place and he absorbs this. He puts himself at the center of our rebellion, of our religion, of our hate, of our ugly, right? He puts us there. He puts God's redeeming love in the place, the deepest place of our brokenness. So that the entry point into Jesus' life is embracing our death. It's embracing our very brokenness, not at the top of the hill of our righteousness or the ascension of our holiness, Up and to the right.
0: Yeah. Up and to the right is no way to describe the life that God's given us. No, it is a downward, a constant, right? Downward spiral into the depth of who we really are in the face of the cross and going, man, it's here that I'm recognized. It's here that I'm redeemed. And it's only here that I'm recognized and redeemed. And it's here that I, in dependency, learn to walk in the newness of life that is found in the resurrection of Christ. And I think when we grab onto that, we can start to look around and go, wow, yeah, uh, this cancel culture, as you said, it has been around for a long time. And I love the way you put that All we now all we have now are platforms to showcase it a lot easier. And then we also have (laughs) it's also celebrated, Mm. but it's uh, it's the same old shit, man. (laughs) It's true. And it still stinks. And it's not of Jesus. And it's not it's not good. And it doesn't lead to life, never has, never will. But it's not just cancel culture, man. It's correction culture. It's call out culture. It's condemning culture. It's curating culture. Um, so let me just close out with this. This isn't just something in, in broad culture of religion. We also see this in the church world. Mm. So you Sadly. can be bold, right? And, and step into this like the Pharisees did. But just to be clear, you can also be sincere and sincerely resurrect the religion Jesus buried Mm. And that's the one thing I'm seeing right now in the church world. That's 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 uh that's really sad, man. Is I'm watching churches left and right abandon the mystery of the cross, the only hope this world has. Yeah, for the religion of doing good, mm-hmm. for moralism. This this very deceptive, addictive right drug of self righteousness, and uh, it's not good, man. It's not good to resurrect what Jesus buried. He buried it for a reason. We see it with the Galatian church, right, returning to the, the yoke of slavery we're seeing and in sermon series left and right, right. The constant three steps to this and seven to that. And, yep. you know, very famous pastors offering like ways of success and, and daily habits and all the, you know what I mean? Disciplines to achieve this and that. And it's like, dude, this is it's, anything, but it's self-help with a veneer of Jesus. Yeah. It's just dragging Jesus into all this. Um, and I think what we're saying at, at, with Lark is we're saying, dude, we're going to be about the constant passing on, bringing, celebrating, introducing, right? You can keep going here, uh, of, the, of the reckless grace of God hmm. to a very religious world in hopes that people would find rest in unity instead of exhaustion and division. Hmm. One's from Jesus. It's messy, just to be clear, but it's beautiful. It's life. The other one can be very tidy. But it's as empty as a whitewashed tomb. Yep. So, man, that's uh, that's why we chose that phrase. And Uh, for those of you who are listening in, stay tuned because next week we're going to be kicking off a journey um, into some stories from Jesus, where he really starts to unpack life in him and the ways of God and this thing that we call the kingdom in a way that's uh, how do you describe it, dude? Mind blowing. I mean, is there, dude, it's mind-bending, uh,
1: mind-blowing, paradigm-shifting,
0: jaw-dropping. Yeah. It'll either.
1: Life-giving. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. life get Once you get past being pissed by it, it's very, very life-giving. Yeah. Um, but again, truth, but again, the truth
0: always pisses you off where it, it sets you free. That's right.
1: <laughs> what I do, Like, if you're listening to this and Man, you find yourself just exhausted exhausted from in the effort of being a good person and wanting a good world. you are being really crappy to people, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're embodying something so much yeah. different like than God in God's name. Um, man, just know that um, Jesus doesn't cancel you. Um, no. if you've if you're seeing the foolishness and some of this, the exhaustion in it, know that he offers rest. Know that he invites you into his life. There's a there's a way. There's a way that we can go about speaking to the broken things that you see in this world, and mm. bringing true transformation to it, which is um, telling people that God died to forgive it, um, not uh, this incessant, um, just ferocious condemning. Um, aspect of it and demanding change because the Mm -hmm. heart needs to change. The heart needs to change. God knew something about the human heart when he loved it in Christ and died to forgive it. He knew knew that the law wouldn't do that. He knew that rules wouldn't do that. He knew that shame wouldn't do that. We needed something to pull us out of shame. We needed something to pull us out of um, those things and it was his love and so we just want to invite you into that conversation thank you for listening to the lark cast yeah. uh, you guys know how to get a hold of us we'd love to hear from you um, and until next episode cheers cheers.